We're joined by Deb Hutton, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers, because it's time for the morning brief. Good morning, Deb Hutton. Good morning, John. Okay, so what do you make of uh, Doug Ford's plan to try to poach healthcare workers from other provinces? I mean, it's a sweet idea. I don't know if anybody necessarily wants to relocate. Well, I have to say, I was a little surprised that we don't have reciprocal arrangements with other provinces when it relates to some of the professions. So I actually would like us to, to see us go further so that workers across Canada have a greater level of mobility uh, when it comes to the work that they're trained to do. So I have no problem with it. Do, do I think that this will open the floodgates and that it's going to cause problems, uh, help us here tremendously and cause problems elsewhere? No. Uh, I think if you're going to move to Ontario, uh, maybe if you're young, you might think, okay, I'll try it out since I don't have to rewrite exams, but I I think the number will be quite small. Yeah, I have to think, I mean, if we have a staffing shortage because people are going to the States for more money and more flexibility and because others are burning out, then why would, for example, a nurse in Montreal go, yeah, that's where I got to work. Yeah, I mean, it just makes it easier for people, as I said, maybe young folks who are sort of intrigued at the notion of coming to work at some of the best hospitals in the world on University Avenue here in Toronto. What do you make of the family of a 59-year-old man who was swarmed and murdered in downtown Toronto? They want his um, presumed attackers, age 13 to 16, to be publicly identified. This is one of those things where I understand the anger, but I also think ain't going to happen. Oh, I'm slightly torn on this, John, uh, because we're talking about the pre-conviction stage, first of all, right. I think, when it comes to this family. And, and so I think most of us have a problem with that. However, when I read that these girls are A, the same age as my oldest daughter, and B, met on social media, so may not all be from the same neighborhood. So it's not as though you recognize that group of girls from your neighborhood or your school. I thought about my daughter, who's in an all-girls school, and thought, is it possible there is one of these individuals in our midst? And it makes me feel like I'd like to know that. So I, I really am torn between, you know, sort of people's rights and, and the safety of my child on this. I will say, however, at the conviction stage, I do believe that not only should they be identified, but this should be on their permanent record. And I think across the board, when we get into very serious crimes committed by our young offenders, we need to rethink the publicity of this on conviction. Okay, but let me ask you, I mean, having a daughter who is of the same age, I mean, she's not going to murder somebody, but if she gets into some level of trouble, wouldn't you like for her to have a clean record when she goes for her first job interview? Yeah, and I think when it's silly little mistakes, uh, as I said, for many of the crimes covered, I, I fundamentally agree with that notion. I think when you're talking about anything above manslaughter, when you're talking serious assaults, I think we need to rethink the privacy piece of the Young Offenders Act. ISIS women coming back to Canada with their children, and you sort of have to set aside, I don't know if you're ready to do so, but if, if you think that they deserve to come back to Canada, and in particular that their children deserve to come back to Canada, you have to set aside such terrible mistakes and the fact that they were married to horrible people. Yeah, at- and they're adults. They made these decisions. I, I have a real problem with this, John. I was very surprised to hear that that uh, a deal had been cut uh, with the federal government to have these uh, women come home. Yes, you can feel badly about the children. Of course we do. That's always the situation. But unfortunately, they were born to men and women 
who in many cases are horrible people. And, and it's awful, but I don't think it's our responsibility to bring them home when they made those decisions as adults and chose to have children in Syria uh, of their own free will. So I have a real problem with this. The second part of it is uh, I, I read, and I know you know this issue very well, John, but I, but I read about the, the three women, which I did not know, that we had already repatriated mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And some of them have been charged with crimes here in Canada. So these are not pure innocents, quite frankly. And, and the argument to bring them home is, well, if they've committed a crime, then let's charge them here in Canada. Let's let them do their time here in Canada. No, they committed a crime in Syria. And if I commit a crime, in another country, I have to abide by the rules of the other country. So we're going to talk with a member of a Toronto law firm this morning, Deb, who uh, the, the firm has offered to defend anybody who's caught stealing food from a grocery store, and they're going to do it for free. And I guess it's more of a publicity stunt, because I can't imagine that any kind of high-minded defense of stealing is going to work on a judge. No, and and I don't believe um, that this is going to cause someone to say, well, if I can get defended, then now I'm going to do it. People who are stealing groceries for their family are doing it out of complete desperation and probably are are shocked at themselves for doing it. I I find this completely irresponsible, though, whether somebody takes them up on it or not, whether it causes someone to go out and steal groceries or not. I truly think this is so irresponsible by a member of our law community. Okay, well, let's pursue that a tiny bit because effectively you're right that it's one thing to defend somebody who is accused of a crime and you know because everybody's entitled to a defense it's quite another to effectively endorse as a as a as an officer of the court to endorse that crime completely yeah i I, and as i said i think it is so irresponsible aside from the fact that if if you were looking uh for somebody to defend your you or your family member i'm not sure i go to somebody like this who thinks this is a smart thing to do so i actually think it'll blow up on their face from a publicity perspective all right joe christiana when are we talking with these lawyers on the show uh 820 820 okay looking forward to that conference i love conversations with people who i know are going to make some people listening really really angry um (laughs) alec baldwin is is facing a charge of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, let's rewind and remember what happened here. He's an actor. He's on set. They hand him a gun. They tell him it's, uh, it, it's that there's no bullet in it, and he fires the gun, and there's a bullet in it, and it kills a person. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible circumstance, Deb, but I don't see how he's criminally responsible for anything. Well, that was my reaction as well. And and I know there's been a lot of uh, chatter about the fact that it's more his role as the producer and that there are two charges that have been laid against him. And a lot of it is sort of the the responsibility for the movie set. And I, I don't pretend to understand that as, as a, a criminal charge in the States, but I would have thought on the notion of just pulling the trigger, he would not have been either charged nor would he be fine, ultimately be found uh, responsible. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting way of framing it, that if it is because he's a producer and he hired an incompetent armorer, that's the issue. But when it comes to the armor, and I know Jeff, um, Jerry Agar and I have disagreed about this because he says it's up to the actor, but like I've handled weapons on the set. What do I know about guns? Yeah, and, and one of the folks we had on News Talk yesterday talked about the fact that here in Canada, you, the license to have that gun on a movie set or on a television set, uh, prohibits any actual ammunition from being on that set, which is interesting. And that, again, that's here in Canada. But I would have thought that would have been the smart thing no matter what country you're filming in.
Yeah, it just strikes me as I, I can't even begin to conceive how live ammunition ended up on set. So uh, you're hosting the show at 1 p.m. this afternoon? I am. Free for all Fridays, uh, 1 to 2 o'clock on uh, News Talk 1010 and across the iHeart Network. And we will kick off the show, like every show this week, talking about health care. Okay. Well, you know I'm a fan, so I'll be listening. Thanks a lot, Deb. Have a great weekend, John.